Oh, hey there. Welcome to She Will Not Be Ignored. This is a podcast highlighting and celebrating the performances of women throughout the 90s who've been brought to the forefront through their own life struggles, put up on the silver screen, and have stabbed, kicked, and screamed their way into our hearts and have really made an impact on both of us. I will not be ignored. I'm Scott Laurie. I will not be ignored. My name is Ann Johnson. And joining us today is our good friend, Emmy Award winning writer, Gabe Gronley. It's a good episode, guys. So let's kick it off with a little Eartha Kit. I want to be mad. Much more than that. I want to be bad. I want to be wicked. I want to tell Welcome. To she will not be ignored. You will not be ignored, Scott. Not tonight, and you will not be ignored. Thank you so much. Am Do you I, know who else is not going to be ignored? Am I going to be ignored? No, Ooh. you're not going to oh, be good. ignored. You're going to oh. be celebrated. Oh my Gabe. god! Hey guys, I, I almost didn't see you over there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I wanted to scare you. <laughs> <laughs> well, today's episode I feel is very special because this film is actually very good. This is a good movie. The film we are discussing today is 1995's Gus Van Sant directed To Die For. And this movie truly is. To Die For. Yes. Oh. You like the title. Yeah. (laughs) Now, it almost wasn't To Die For because did anybody see on IMDb who was originally up for this role? Yes. Yes, which I thought was so crazy. Are you kidding me? It might have been good. In what world? Meg Ryan. Ugh. Meg Ryan might have been good in what way? It could. I mean, she has like she's peppy, and it could have been fun to see her play against type. I can I can believe Meg Ryan as a drunk, but I cannot believe Meg Ryan as a sinister, cunning bitch. <laughs> I can't. Thank There's you. There's nothing in her face, certainly nothing in her current face, that would allow me to believe that. I just can't. I can't picture it. But was, to be fair, nothing in her face is what Nicole Kidman brings to this role. <laughs> right. So that's so but okay, if that's good. our bar of what we're hiring for, then yes, they're both qualified. But above and beyond that, I don't think that Meg Ryan can rise to the occasion that Nicole Kidman no. can. I know. I'm glad that we're talking about a movie that features Nicole Kidman. You and I have talked about Nicole Kidman a lot. Over You're the years. a Nicole Kidman aficionado, Scott. I, if I'm a much bigger fan than I am. It would if I had to get one starlet tattooed on my body, Nicole Kidman. <laughs> You know that it doesn't make her body your body. I mean, I'm almost basically there as it is. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> well, and oh, I'm then... Sorry. Do, because we're on podcast, do we have to announce what our eyes you have are to. doing? You have to. Okay, so, blink. 37% of this podcast is me announcing what my cheekbones are doing at any given point. <laughs> blink, smile, blinking. Sorry, I don't know how it works. I'll be uh, periodically announcing my weight. Um, it's currently at 115. <laughs> Well, and it can fluctuate over a day. So That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, did you see who else was considered for this role? Like, so many gals had no. lined up. Who? Yeah. yeah. I also looked at it IMDb, briefly, but who else? They had, um, they had Michelle Pfeiffer. Not mad. That would have, that makes sense. Well, and I did call this movie the evil version of Up Close and Personal. Sorry, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> because I had not seen this movie before. I hadn't either. And I knew it. It was in, like, the collective consciousness of, like, me being alive in 1995. I was yeah. 13 and, like, movie trailers had a big impact. I knew this poster. I knew she was in it. I'm actually stunned it didn't win any awards, frankly. I, I double-checked. Yeah. Didn't win That's any surprising. awards. But um, 
I had a very different image of this movie where I thought she had ascended to stardom. Me too. And then the murder happened. Me too. I thought she had made it. So when when we see that, in fact, it's so different, I was like, I like this movie 30 times more. Me too. I, yeah. I came into it with a ton of preconceived yeah. notions. And I think, like, I'm actually surprised neither of us saw this movie in 1995. Well, we were we were doing the math before. We would have been 13, and I couldn't have gotten into an R-rated. Yeah, but I'm surprised, like, I didn't rent it or something. It's very sexy. It is super sexy. Thank I you. I couldn't have gotten away with double it. Double surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I was really into Joaquin Phoenix as a young, straight high school boy. Um, no, I, it, 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 I remember knowing that it was like a good movie and a cool movie. Mm. And because it came out in 95, I'm super surprised I didn't see it. Cause that's when I watched movies, like they were cool bands. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's a new indie band. And like, I, I don't know why I didn't see this movie earlier. I knew, I knew of it. And I think part of me felt like I had seen it because I had just, uh, assumed so much of what the plot was and I think it had been touted and talked about so much that I thought I knew it but now actually having seen it I had no idea how funny it was yeah and how incredibly put together like it's done essentially in like a mockumentary style Mm -hmm. or it it utilizes different kinds of things where it's like we see a couple different realities simultaneously, which is so skillfully put together. And I didn't realize, I thought this was really exciting. Buck Henry yeah. wrote the screenplay. Buck Henry is a longtime writer. People today would know him best as Dick Lemon, uh, playing Liz Lemon's dad on 30 Rock. But he was an original, I hope I'm getting this right, an original SNL writer. And he appeared on the show as, like, in the Conehead sketches and a reoccurring. Um, the nerds that Gilda Radner played, he played the dad in that. He has been a comedian and been around since like the 60s and 70s and was like not a not ready for primetime player, but a reoccurring person on SNL in its first five years. And, and he, he wrote The Graduate. Yes. What? He wrote The yes. Graduate. Yes. And this whole, the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, this is almost like the other side of that story. Mm. Like she, like we're watching a older woman seduce a younger man. Yeah. And we're following her. And he, and Joaquin Phoenix in the movie keeps calling her Mrs. Mrs. Morelli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so, that and like, it's the weirdness of like with Mrs. Robinson of watching somebody call somebody they're sleeping with the last name of their husband. Yeah. Is so funny and mm. weird. Buck Henry also plays the teacher, the older teacher. Oh, okay. Who is who keeps knocking Casey Affleck around? <laughs> I mean, uh, with that hair, though, right. you know, right? I get it. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Personal <laughs> trivia: I always get Buck Henry and Bob Balaban confused. Oh, I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. Just wanted to let you guys know something about me. <laughs> Makes somewhere, sense. Young guy in his thirties. Somewhere, Bob Balaban is in a Ford Focus and furious right now. <laughs> Right now. He's he, like, I wrote Gosford Park, damn it! He should have written The Graduate. It's a better movie. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad this is a part of your lives now. Because yes. moving forward, this is the sort of normative indoctrination you need. Mm. It's such a good tale yeah. about how to conduct yourself. Oh, yes. what? Yep. As you're rising in mm. the business world, don't <laughs> have some children come after your husband. Oh, it's a no. terrible life choice. 
Oh, I thought you were saying that this is like how to succeed. No. Oh, I thought you were touting this as the way to rise to the top. No, because no, because she never gets out of that small market. Yeah. She could have been CNN if she had just done her homework, (laughs) stuck to the plan. Stuck to the beaches. Stuck to the beaches. You don't need to be mixing with some poor high school kids. Yeah, and with terrible hair, and then having them commit murder—that's okay. a terrible okay. life choice. Okay, ah. okay. And as a young child, this was a social moray, and I thought, got it. Duly right. noted. Can we get back Thank to? The, can we talk about the hair for a second? Yeah, please. Please. I think Joaquin's Phoenix hair is fucking awesome. <laughs> Wait, please tell me that you mean when he's in jail and it's cut. <laughs> please. Also, then, but I like. His he has a great okay so he looks like a Canadian hipster from like 2007 <laughs> and I like it I like it he I, has like a weird he has like weird hockey hair and like he and like his like it's a scraggly mullet with bangs yes and it, it it's kind of awesome this is I what's think, tough for me yeah. is because of the narrative style because you jump around I'm able to b- judge the hair side by side essentially right Mm -hmm. because i'm seeing him Mm -hmm. with that sexy little mia farrow george clooney cut at the end right Uh uh-huh this is you're like oh yeah no and in prison everyone gets a really good caesar yes (laughs) who's giving those out yes to that barber (laughs) and then you then it's like back to the old hair and you think like oof such terrible choices it's like in i know what you did last summer when she finally sarah michelle geller finally gets a great haircut because the killer breaks into her home Uh, and gives her that bob and you're like yes she did today (laughs) and then she's killed the next scene and you're like she just got good hair i've never seen the movie and you've ruined the hair ending for me. hey you know what you got to do research before you go on a podcast (laughs) everything's fair game that's right (laughs) well i wait hold on a second what's happening in wisconsin that you guys did not see i know what you did last summer and to die for i I don't know I saw that movie. Yeah. You I saw, saw I Know, I know what, what You Did Last yeah. Summer. Gabe, I'm giving you a full next Netflix playlist as soon as we get out of here. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Playlists? Yeah. Yeah, playlists. Yeah, I saw exactly a kid on a right. skateboard talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a really interesting call. So this is 1995. Mm-hmm. But these like burnout teens are dressed like it's 1989. Yes. Yeah. Like they're, it's more, this is like grunge central in this actual era 95 but then i was like are they are we basing this actually in the late 80s like did i miss a time mark because the style that the kids have is not super 90s nor is her look which is oh my god it's great but it's a very skirt suit in this film it's where are you getting those from i'm just yeah you're looking for costumes Mm -hmm. yes the costumes are great oh i have a theory about the 80s-ness of okay. it is that it's so it's based on a book that is based on a real murder and that, that hap- it right. happened in like 90 89 or 90 I yeah think. that's a good call and there was i was reading up on that murder it just you fall down the internet hole sure pamela smart slippery slope yeah you end up reading she, yeah. about real life murders she seduced a 15 year old boy and that's what this book's based while on. she was the host of like a she's called the metal maiden yes Oh, right. She was, but she was like a teacher. She was like the media studies teacher at this high school and seduced a 15 year old boy to murder her husband. And that's what this is based on. Yes, allegedly. Oh, I'm sorry. There's, evidently, there are, uh, she has maintained her innocence all these years in prison. And I guess guess there was some, like, kind of documentary that seemed like more sympathetic to her, Hmm. which I'm now probably going to watch. Sure. But didn't have time before the podcast. Okay. All right. You got me. I say stick a pin in that. Watch. 
I know what you did last summer <laughs> yeah. first, then watch that. Yeah. Right. Well, that, you know, I obviously I watched that. I'm reading about some more real life murders. Right. And Joyce Maynard, right, the mm-hmm. author of the yes. book, maintains that it's not based on Pamela Smart. She does. Oh, I didn't she, know that. Because she writes a letter but that's to the for, like, governor. Legal reasons or something. 100%. Oh. No, 100%. That's like what Gloria Allred told her to say. But yes. she also <laughs> wrote a letter on Pamela Smart's behalf to a governor there was like hey girl hey how come everybody else got out like all the teens are out but she's still in no jail way. I didn't know yes. that Ooh. oh that's fascinating good stuff all I'm saying is if they need a part two let's get Ileana Douglas back on that screen because yeah agree, agree. 100 yes fucking boss in she's this movie she's so good and she- also yeah watching Pro- it I was like this movie, for me, the subtext is about where did Ileana Douglas go? Exactly. She's still around, but she has never but not gotten... Enough. She's not never been enough. touted the way she should be, because she's so talented. And this movie, from the first shot we see her, where I think it was the first take, she actually falls down on her ice skates. And I think she didn't think that was going to be in the movie, and it's the perfect introduction <laughs> to her character. To then, she's really the person that lays out the initial narrative of what we're about to see who this person really is it's through Mm -hmm. her eyes that we're shown suzanne stone yeah and it's incredible like her Ileana douglas just in general i think is the best one in this movie next to i I agree again i told you i get a tattoo of nicole kidman even i'm saying she is killing it in this movie she's my favorite She's, she's incredible, so and she seems really natural in her like talking head interviews mm-hmm. in a way that's that's shocking. Like everybody else is really good in them, and Nicole Kidman, for anything I've ever said about her in the past, is great in it. This yeah. movie, she's so great in it. But Ileana Douglas, like her her talking heads are ridiculous. They seem really natural and yeah. cool. like it's yeah. Well, really quick, just in case someone is has not seen this movie, like I hadn't seen a week ago. Um, the overall plot is within this film, uh, Nicole Kidman's character, Suzanne Stone, uh, is a wannabe newscaster, uh, marries Matt Dillon. Oh, uh, I'm mad about it. Not mad about it. <laughs> In their small town, ironically named Little Hope, New Hampshire. You guys, was that a satirical name? It seems like, it seems like little, vaguely satirical. Little satir- tongue in cheek. I bet it's not little real. Little I bet it's not real. Cheek. Um, and... Uh, feels bogged down by his Italian heritage (laughs) and desire for children and so conspires with these three burnouts that she meets while attempting to make what appears to be the most boring documentary called Teens Speak Out. (laughs) Convinces these kids... I've also never seen Teens Speak Out. I feel feel bad. I should really get around to watch it. Convinces them to uh, plot against and murder her husband uh, while she is gaining slight success as being a local like cable access weather girl to unencumber her from this marriage and go on to future stardom. And the way that the story unfolds and is shown to us is his parents and her parents are on a talk show, kind of like a Sally Jesse or a Donahue type show, telling their side of the story. His sister, played by Ileana Douglas, uh, and others are in talking heads in a mockumentary style. And then we see Suzanne Stone giving a straight-to-camera Seemingly kind of like Oprah style interview about her side of things. So we see the story kind of double back on itself and show different perspectives. And 
be incredibly funny. <laughs> and as long, can we just do a quick parking lot as long as we're talking about parents? And yeah. Can we just have a yas mama for a Holland Taylor? Yes. Holland Taylor, obviously, In always. Anything, always. Always. Yeah. Yes. Always. Agree. If we can, we just pitch something with Holland Taylor and Ileana Douglas again. That's yes. all I want. That's well, and I'm want. never mad at a Dan Hedaya either. Please. Sure. Like, like that guy could, and his jowls could be in everything. Yeah. And ace it. I love that guy. Wait, <laughs> from Cheers, right? Yeah. Nick, I always think of him as Nick Tortelli. Exactly. Yeah. I always think of him as Cher's dad. Okay. Oh, Everywhere yes. in the valley takes twenty minutes. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I've also not seen that movie. So come on. Are you are you being serious right I'm now? I'm dead serious. Put the mic down and get out of here. We have a <laughs> lot of things to watch today. Guys, have a really good podcast. Talk to you later. <laughs> this has been great. Uh, so so gosh. Okay. One quick I'm never mad at a young Joaquin Phoenix. Thank you. Woo. Uh, oh, but but yeah. at the very end, and we're not doing any spoilers, wink. Mm-hmm. But his nails are so small. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Did you see that? He bit them down. Yeah. Like bit them down. Yeah. Like it's almost yeah. just cuticle. Mm-hmm. I went back. Yeah. Okay. Because also I forgot to rewatch this until this morning and <laughs> then I couldn't remember my iTunes password. So I couldn't buy it on <laughs> iTunes. So I had to watch it on but, YouTube. But your iTunes password is Kidman. Is, is Kidman, <laughs> which I remember now. Now yeah. I have to change it, which is fine, which is not Meg Ryan. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but so then I watched it in Russian because somebody talking somewhere about, in please? Russia dubbed over the entire movie. So I just to give myself a reminder of the narrative watch this entire movie in Russian by scanning <laughs> through it. Let me tell oh you, my God. I heavily recommend doing that. If you have already seen this movie in English, watch it in Russian. The Nicole Kidman scenes, not so much, but whoever voices over Ileana Douglas in the Russian YouTube of this, yes, bitch. <laughs> oh my yes. God. So not only does Ileana Douglas need to work more, so does her Russian voiceover counterpart? A hundred percent. Let's pitch something with Russian Ileana Douglas and Holland Taylor. Let's do it. Somewhere Bob Balaban is in that. Two. <laughs> right? Ready. Oh, man. Oh, so I just want... So we are introduced to Nicole Kimmon and Matt Dillon as like young 20-somethings. He's kind of a dopey... Matt uh, Dillon like, type? Ma- exactly. Yeah. Um, he's a drummer, but like the lamest looking drummer I've ever seen. <laughs> And she's like a beautiful, blonde, kind of ice queen. Nicole Kidman type? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, she kind of from afar sort of seduces him. He falls madly in love with her. Uh, there is a line that I wrote down that I loved. He called her, at, relating his love of her to his sister, Ileana Douglas, he called her the golden girl of my dreams <laughs> and immediately all i could think about was the stalgetti and just him making out with the stalgetti <laughs> but there's a really cool slow reveal of like she slowly makes him over he gets more chicer he gets a better haircut and within like a year they mm-hmm. get married and i really had to wonder though this being my first time and like thinking about the logic of choices and just like the actual what was going on? Why do you think she picked him? Why that guy? Because every girl wanted him in their local town. Because 
he wasn't necessarily coming from money, and she seems slightly preoccupied with waspiness and taste. Yeah, super I, preoccupied. I wonder if it's a little streetcar named Desire, where it's a little like, mm. want the bad boy when you're dating, but then when you're actually married to the bad boy mm. in like a tomato sauce stained white t-shirt, then it's like, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's, that seems really like relatable and real, but all of the motivation we get from her is is all drive. It's so weird. Because we don't we never see a side of her that actually relates to other people. Like she's always so distant. But right. that's what I mean. Like if it's like everybody wanted him and he was the bad oh, boy, yeah. she wants that trophy. And then when you have that trophy, it's like, oof. Yeah. Who wants yeah. to polish this every day? Wink. <laughs> wink. Wink. I caught that wink. Thank you. Wink. Um, when you wink, I would appreciate it if you actually I can't. Gabe, I've had so much work done to my eyes, I can't even (laughs) wink anymore. So you and Nicole Kidman both. Wink. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the other thing um, that I thought about was that once they get together... Oh, I had this question. There's a little dog dropped off on their doorstep... Who gave her that dog? Great question. Because it, you hear like the screeching wheels of tires peeling out, and it's like a beautifully wrapped box, and she opens it up, and it's a little Pomeranian. Named so, Walter. Named Walter. Cronkite. Cute. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't seem like it comes from the husband, and it seems like a, a no, lover's it... kind of gift. So then I was like, oh, is she already having an affair, but with Probably. somebody else? I think, yes. I... I was wondering that too. My only thought was, um, what's his name? Is it George Siegel? Oh, the broadcaster that she meets at that conference. Yes, oh, right. the honeymoon. That was my only thought. Was I was like, oh, I think maybe like he gives her a bunch of advice, and you get the impression that they probably sleep together. For sure, they do. And uh, yeah, and like maybe there's a little thing going on there, mm. and he's kind of like a sugar daddy type for her because she's so driven. She turns their honeymoon into an opportunity for her to go to like a broadcasting conference because she just is eyes on the prize. Has to be. It's not even so much that she has to be famous. But she has to be a broadcaster famous. Like yeah. she wants to be a nightly news anchor, and she feels built to be only that. But my other thought that I had was she's hyper driven, but she's not super educated. Like she's conniving no. and manipulative, but she's really dumb. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't know what is going on half the time, or she's not conniving in like a smart way. She's just conniving in a manipulative way. Yeah, yeah. There's something fun about a character who's like calculating but doesn't really know what they're up to. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is interesting because when she meets George Siegel, the broadcasting thing, she seems so naive. Yes. It's weird. I wonder if that cha- if that seems like it changes over time because... I think she gets a little bit smarter, but I think a lot of the choices she ends up making is not because she naturally thought of it herself out of her own creativity, but because somebody gave her an idea and she's just continually compiling other people's ideas to build Mm -hmm. up what she wants. Right, right. Because what she is going for, like what you were saying about her wanting Matt Dillon, it seems like what she's going for is all about what other people prize and not mm-hmm. like she doesn't have any actual like internal goals herself or something right. like her goals are all about how she's perceived yeah oh there was a moment that i thought underscored that amazingly so they end up getting married and they are showing scenes from the wedding and there's a moment where they're about to run to the car the happy couple and she stops and she runs back to her dad kirkwood smith never met at that appearance either 
and says like gives him like a kiss on the cheek and then whispers in his ear nobody will be as good as you dad or no he'll never be as I'll great as you another man as good as you or oh, and boy. he literally goes oh boy what <laughs> and then she runs away that and it really, seems like really a moment weird, she moment. created in her mind like you genuinely laugh at yeah. it because he doesn't know what she's talking about like they and it's like a moment she constructed like he'll remember this or like yeah. I'm so deep and this is so memorable and this is what you do at a wedding this if, is what yeah. you do at a wedding she's acting like she's in a movie a movie yeah she's in the wedding scene in a movie and he's like why <laughs> yeah okay it's amazing that is it's really funny I forgot about that choice <laughs> Where it's just, yeah, she's like perpetually in the movie of her own life. And she wants things to be a certain way and appear a certain way and to come across in a certain way. Now about the dog, there was another moment that I, that I liked that is really unexplained, which, or that they don't like, they don't go deep on, which is, it's, so it's after she meets, it's George Segal? Yeah. Am I getting yeah. this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So after she meets him and he talks about this woman who like wrote this letter where she was basically like, I give a great blowjob. You should hire me. And so when she goes into her first interview yes. with Wayne Knight, Just also a- not mad. No. <laughs> um, I have a Wayne Knight body tattoo. Oh. Um, and uh, it, it might be a mole. And but when she goes into interview with him, yeah, I wrote that down. Yeah, she has this letter that she's about to hand to him until his like lackey shows up, and then she puts it in her purse, and then yep. she tears it up. We see her tear it up and throw it away, and it says like confidential or something. Yep. Yep. You get the impression that she was uh, that she was about to offer sexual exactly. favors. And exactly. I thought both that and the dog scene both felt like. Uh, I really like how they go by quickly without them like dwelling on them mm-hmm. too hard or explaining too much of what it was about and mm-hmm. just letting it happen. And I was wondering if, bo- I not having read the book, I wonder if those things are from the book because they feel like really good small details that you would maybe incorporate but not dwell on if you were adapting something. Mm. And I was like, oh, maybe like the maybe we know more about this dog in the book, but they did a really good job of just of just like making you accept it in the movie and moving on. Right. I, I hope that somewhere, maybe we need to go back and read this book because maybe there's an entire subplot about Walter's life, which <laughs> I would definitely get involved in. I'm starting to the get conspiracy cute. theories now that she gave it to herself. I'm starting to think like... That's also not out of the realm of possibility. Oh, I like it, that. But she didn't want it to appear like, you know, whatever. And oh. then also maybe she has another admirer to make her husband jealous. Maybe she just gave it to herself. I oh, I like that too. I like but, that it's unexplained. Like, yeah. I really like that, and I like that we don't know what's in the envelope. Like, I like that. I I appreciated that the subtlety of that. We have different untrustworthy narr- narrators going on all the time. It's yeah. a lot of people's perception of either themselves or somebody else. So all of it's kind of up to our own interpretation as we're seeing how they're processing stuff. But I feel like we're all siding with Ileana Douglas at all times. I feel like we're accepting hers as the most truthful. Most fact-based. People yes. I liked best in this movie, Ileana Douglas, uh, greasy-haired teen girl. <laughs> Lydia! Lydia. So oh, I was like... I love her. I was like, these guys. And her yeah. name in this is like Lydia Mertz. Mertz. And I, so she and then Lydia Dietz. Was, yes! That's my ideal road trip. Yes! Wait, Lydia Dietz? From Beetlejuice. Oh, solid. Yes. Her and Winona Ryder. I just want to be like in a Yugo yes. driving across country with the two of them. <laughs> two... I get it. Yeah. Right? I get it. And did you see, thank you, IMDb, that she um, auditioned on a whim for this? Oh, Uh, really? She She went in. She was like, I'm not going to get it because I'm a greasy haired teen. Hi. She went to school with Mindy Kaling. Showed up. 
I've, obviously everyone was blown away because they were like, who is this amazing actress? Yes. And then she was like, well, I'm obviously not getting it. So she went on vacation with her parents to the Bahamas. And then Hollywood was like, a ring-a-ding-ding. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, like, every okay. time I go to the Bahamas, it happens to me. <laughs> She's the perfect Gus Van Sant teen because he loves this kind of like... Well, she's like, not a guy, which which okay, sure, she's not the perfect guy. She has a deep team. voice. Yeah. She has a deep voice, and she is a loving Nicole Kidman in underpants in that dressing room scene. Right. Yes, I also thought. Well, two things. One, I wondered if Ileana's character maybe was gay. Maybe, maybe huh. not. I don't know. Maybe I'm extrapolating too much. And the other one was, yeah, that Lydia definitely had a, a crush and oh both yeah fixated on Suzanne as kind of a mother a friend and like a sexual but you know there's something interesting like where for young girls it's you can like see a beautiful woman and it can be like attractive but it's also something that you want then to see in yourself or mm-hmm. kind of aspire yeah. to so it's both kind of sexual but it's also admirable like this is what is Nicole Kidman's character she's just about like your lesbian tendencies or something to her later Right, when she's cutting her down and being... Yeah, that didn't translate in the Russian YouTube. I didn't... I couldn't... <laughs> well, you're um, not allowed to say lesbian in Russia, so... No, yeah, because there are none. No, non list your tattoo. They... So, and that's, like, such a sad moment and so, like, my high school experience when... So, you like, you know, uh, they're having, like, the sexy dance moment because, obviously, Suzanne oh. Stone was like, how about everyone comes over to my house, watches me dance sexy style in my hot lime green sweater? Yeah. And then she's like, can someone walk Walter? And then it's like, of course, I'm the one who has to walk Walter while you guys get a bone upstairs. Well, and I kept writing down poor Lydia because yeah. she kept just getting, not only do we hear about like sad things from her past and yeah. like things that have made her, you know, be an introvert and kind of latch onto these like burnout dudes, but also like she keeps getting the shaft and like she talks about like this would have been an exciting it was like being an exciting movie you know with all that even with all that x-rated stuff too. oh yeah it's like lydia literally had to like wait outside while people boned all the time <laughs> it was just like oh poor lydia uh, like i just you want her to stand up for herself and be able to like be like, you have sex somewhere else. Yeah, let me tell you, when I'm on a road trip with her and Lydia Dietz, we're stopping at all the lesbian bars. We're getting her girlfriends all across this nation. <laughs> You're the best. I, you know what? It's happening. I'll wait outside for you, Lydia Dietz and Mertz. <sighs> One, Scott, I don't know how to donate to this charity, but I'm... I'll show you. There's a, a PayPal. There's a PayPal. It's a Kickstarter. You and Lucas can Venmo me. <laughs> Lucas Haas? Yeah, he has Venmo. <laughs> One one other thing I was going to say about the letter thing that you brought up was I thought it was an incredible thing and it really underscored her like one track mind and not being very bright that here it was like a one watt uh, cable access station that she was willing to the one thing she heard about how to get ahead and how yeah. to have an Oof. edge. Yep. The one thing that she was like, this is my shoe. And, and the story was told in the context of like, this was how a woman got a major like broadcast lead nightly news anchor role. And she was ready to jump on that. For from, like News 12. For News 12. It's and so it wasn't weird. even, it was an internship or something. Ay, ay, ay. And she was willing to do it. And the weird, oh. like, when you look at it, I was, I kept wondering what the rest of their broadcast was like, because we never see, all we see is her doing the weather. Yeah. But there's two guys who work in this, like, dingy room. From, like, nine to and, five. And they say it's a cable news 
network or something and you're like it's they, a local cable news. like i i, I didn't understand like, what they were up to yeah i definitely got this i was like oh this is not a good place to work it's not like a big right. break but okay but that said like let's just say a pat kiernan right like all it takes is a camera and someone sure. electric in like let's sure. say a basement and sure. you can really put together something amazing yeah because you know i love a pk yeah totally but i was well, just what wondering else are who, they I was, showing but so there's no one else that works there other than these two guys and we never see them shoot anything. Neither of them seems to be on camera. The only set they have is a basement with a weather, like with a with a weather map. I was like, "What is the rest of this broadcast day like?" Because right. we see them go off the air at night, which is also right. weird for cable. Right. There's a bunch of things about it, like they do like an old fashioned end of broadcast day. Right. I was just like, "I don't understand the the model for this business." And it seems to only broadcast in Little Hope, New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, it's a local cable news network. That's not real. <laughs> that doesn't exist. I don't know. Obviously, we've got some major fact-checking for our part two when we put this together. Yes. To die for again. (laughs) (laughs) To die harder. So they show her in a series of stunning skirt suits pitching different ideas to Wayne Knight at this weird local news channel. And apparently the one that sticks is that she wants to make a documentary about teenagers and it's called Teens Speak Out, which is how we get introduced to Joaquin Phoenix, Casey Affleck, and Lydia Mertz. And they're the only three that sign up, which is also odd because it's like she didn't, she only talked to one class and only three people wanted to f- be filmed. Yeah. I mean, they I'm not mad go at through... it because we need to get there, but. See, now, for me, that was more believable than this cable news network. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, I was like, right, well, one of them wants to boner, two of them want a boner, three, three of them, them want a boner. Yeah. I was like, okay, fine, I Good get one. it. Yeah. And like Bob Balaban beats up Casey Affleck till he <laughs> till he signs up to, to be in a documentary. I well, was he like- he keeps getting slapped around because we also see him get slapped by his dad when they're shell fishing. What is it that they're, they're fishing for mussels or something? The weirdest- it's linked to his character that he leaves seashells behind. You guys, I just want to take a second to say this. Everybody in this movie is fishing for mussels, if you know what I mean. Right? <laughs> I just wanted to say it. I wanted to say it. I thought it, and I didn't want to let it go. Thanks so, for getting that out hey, there. Hey, no problem. And actually, it was while, while we're on this topic, we just go back. <laughs> Anne was saying earlier something about how uh, the, Nicole King was trying to figure out how to get ahead. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to, Gabe. S- Gabe. to say Gabe. that that was a good point. Gabe. I just want to say that, that was a really strong point. Oh, thanks, and that's man. all I wanted to say about it. And so now we're back to so now yeah. So what is Casey Affleck doing with that guy? They're waiting in the water, catching. Yeah, they're they're something. I think it is. It's Some I think it is. Of, yeah, yeah, it's like oysters or something. But then, so this documentary gets going, and she's just filming them sitting around. She's sort of asking them real life questions, but then she goes back every night to the weird cable network and is editing it yeah mm-hmm. and you see her like on an old reel-to-reel like vhs like deck to deck editing it yeah which i was like good for you because i didn't know how to do that <laughs> <laughs> you figured something out suzanne you did kind of know how to do that a little bit yeah, yeah. but that was she really treats it like a job and she thinks of it as though this is the thing that's going to break her out of this small town she really for whatever reason, puts a lot of stock in this documentary she's putting together, thinking that I guess she's going to sell it to networks or something. Yeah, but all she's really... learned about PBS later that that was nice, right? Yeah, yeah. 
But all it really is is just filming them say, I don't know a lot. <laughs> In fairness, that's most of the reality shows on MTV now. Yeah. So she point. was just a little ahead of her ahead time. Of time. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. That's a good point. And this, again, the network doesn't have a broadcasting model, so they might just show her raw footage <laughs> right. until she does the weather and then sign off it, for Do all you know, we know. And now that I think about it, this what she was cutting together would probably look a lot like The Hills. <laughs> I yeah. would watch it in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, okay. but with haircuts that appeal to me. To you and your demographic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. So after befriending them, she kind of appeals to each of them in their own way. Like she's buying Lydia clothes she can't yet fit into. Rude. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Casey Affleck is kind of around. She's not as close with him because he's clearly kind of from getting hit around beat up so much he's kind of just a sociopath a mm-hmm. light sociopath yeah which you would think would make them perfect kin right right, right. Like hopefully sociopath attracts sociopath yeah but, but i think because just... joaquin phoenix is more attractive oh, and, sure. a, and a little bit more dumb than her <laughs> <laughs> she goes for it and so then she begins to manipulate him through sex <laughs> Thorough intercourse. Uh, just the visual on that, and put her hand up to her mouth and whispered out the side of her face. And I'm currently 116. <laughs> uh, but then it's like this incredible montage of just like her dancing for him and <laughs> him kind of having uh, visions of her and them kind of tooling around. Yeah, her filming them, but it's all so compelling and shot so well. Yeah, and the music choices in this are the music so perfect. Is done by Danny Elfman. It's no, so yes. Danny Elfman. <gasps> yes, the like not like obviously there's like heavy metal, but the music in it is so good. It underscores and I think really helps make it a bit more like cartoonish and campy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it helps the humor of this. It it's totally so does. good. But here's it's the other so reason good. I can't believe I never saw this movie was because I had a compilation of Danny Elfman's soundtracks. Oh, of course, <laughs> included... as any fourteen-year-old boy would. <laughs> okay, wait, so, but what else is in this? Music. What's that? What else is in this collection? It's just his music from a, a series of different movies. It's called Music for a Dark and Cinema, the Danny Elfman mm. soundtracks. Mm. And um, it, so, yeah, it's just like, a, it's like, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It's a bunch of his, uh-huh. uh, you know, Batman. It's a bunch of his Tim Burton stuff. And then there were a few things that weren't Tim Burton like this. And that this one always stood out to me because it's not a Tim Burton movie. But the soundtrack is so good and so Danny Elfman with, like, occasional detours into crazy, like, like hard rock metal sounding stuff yeah mm-hmm. but i remembered as i was watching it i was like oh i know all these songs oh wow i knew the whole soundtrack <laughs> and i i remember like driving around probably with you like uh, and driving uh, around listening. pointing to me i'm still I'm pointing. maintaining one I'm, I'm doing like the kind of point yeah. where you don't you don't <laughs> yeah. pull back any of your fingers so it's right. just like an open hand but like right it's an invitation you. not exactly. an accusation yeah exactly <laughs> it's a it's a handshake point <laughs> um, but I remember driving around listening to this CD in whatever piece of shit car I had at the time, um, and 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 like watching like indie movies, and I can't believe that like that I never got around to seeing this. It's so weird. I just want to thank you, Scott, for both on both Gabe and Maya's behalf. Yeah, bringing this 
film into our lives because I I genuinely also can't believe it. It's taken until now to see this, so I well, just want to say thank you, and I also want to thank you for allowing me to see Nicole Kidman dance like no one's watching. <laughs> You're welcome. It's or someone mission. is watching <laughs> yeah. and wants to bone her. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I like to do is every time it's raining now, I just pull over and just dance for whoever is in there. <laughs> oh whoever God. my co-pilot is. There are two incredible <laughs> transitions in this movie, both around her dancing. One is when she's in her living room and she just does that light spin and the light changes. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's so incredible. There's some surreal stuff in this movie. It's so well done. And then the other incredible transition is she and Joaquin are sitting in her car. She's crying about how she hates her marriage. And then this, and then Sweet Home Alabama comes on. And she goes immediately from crying to like sexual exploration. Like so like, oh, I love this sound. She's not Southern. But you imagine that she is. She's not her Southern, heart's but her, Southern. But her accent does falter. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then suddenly she jumps out of the car and starts dancing in the rain yeah it makes sense you guys like, <laughs> and sometimes you just need a minute and she's a woman oh that's I'm sorry. how it works ah uh, sometimes uh, you mm-hmm. dance in the rain I, I, am I crazy? for our listeners i'm currently female and drop down to 114 <laughs> <laughs> that's because you're crying yeah you will lost a lot of right. tear weight exactly yeah. it's all emotional weight her dancing i think nicole kidman i don't want to you know Sure. Assume I don't want to project, but I think she thinks she's a great dancer. I, you know what? And again, and you think this is her? Like you're saying the actor Nicole Kidman believes the actress Nicole Kidman. Believes I say she's, actor. Thank I'm you. A feminist. Oh, I'm sorry. So. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Just want to make a point of that. Um, we got that on tape. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Let's just let's just repeat that back and then keep going. We can cut it. We can just get point, rid of all of that. Here. Okay. Great. And then. <laughs> I think she thinks she's an incredible dancer and all I can think of when Nicole Kidman dances is like a skeleton and xylophone music. <laughs> so so Danny Elfman. Yeah. Yeah. She's to me just a skeleton and stiff and and she projects, you know, sexuality, but I think she thinks she's an incredible dancer. A hundred percent. And you yeah. know that I love her, president of the fan club, but yeah. she dances like Mitt Romney. Yes! <laughs> there's yes! no getting around it, because yeah. in The Paperboy, there's another scene oh, where she's like, oh, let me just be very sexual and dance for a young mm-hmm. Zac Efron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when it happens, it's like, why is grandpa up there dancing like that? Right. Why are you so drunk at this wedding? But well, that's why I think it worked. She's so good in this role in particular is that she's playing somebody who doesn't know how, like, who is very manipulative, but doesn't exactly understand what she looks like from the outside, but is, like, trying to appeal to people. Like, mm-hmm. it seems right that she isn't in tune with the emotions of dancing. Like, <laughs> it seems it yeah. seems perfect. That it's, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, a role for somebody who feels like, like, this is a perfect role for her, like, the same way, like, uh, Betty Draper is a great January Jones role, where you're like, right. oh, it's somebody who doesn't necessarily read as being, like, warm and open on camera or something. And then you find a role where you're just like, oh, but she's it, perfect. It makes you wonder why Stepford Wives was such a big pile of, you know. What? Midler? <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, but now, look, we do not get me started on Stepford Wives. Okay, because now, like, if you're coming for Bette Midler, Glenn Close, and Nicole Kidman, I'm going to have to, like, go outside and smoke a cigarette for two no, seconds not, and then come back. I'm just saying, I, I wanted that movie to be 
Well, okay. I know, but it's it's all like yeah. good plastic surgery. So I I don't even yeah. remember if there right. was any dialogue in the movie, I, because no, I was just right. was in like row three with Junior Mintz yelling like "Yes, Queen!" <laughs> whenever anyone came out, including Matthew Broderick. It was like an unofficial. <laughs> it was like an unofficial first wife clubs. Exactly. exactly. First wives club. I don't even prequel. know what that movie's about. I just know right. I yelled the entire movie. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know where we are. I don't want to get us off track, but. I, at some point, would be very curious to hear about when you, Scott, first saw To Die For. Oh. That's what we were trying to remember, because I don't know when I would have seen this, because I would have been too young to get into an R-rated movie. Do you think mm-hmm. you saw it, like, in college? Or, like, later in high school? Or, yeah, you, or you, like, rent the VHS or something. I think I might have seen it early college, yeah. because I think I was, you know, I was studying broadcast journalism. This is what mm-hmm. I was wondering about. And so I was and like... You were studying well, broadcast journalism and Nicole Kidman. I was double major. Yeah. Oh, I, Obviously, I dropped broadcast journalism at some point and just continued on with my Nicole Kidman major. Absolutely. And I just want to point out that her character apparently majored in electronic journalism <laughs> at her junior college. Anyway, continue. And so I thought, oh, this is something good to catch me up on what the industry is like. Mm-hmm. And then again, like I said, normative indoctrination, very strong moray. Don't go down this path. This is a terrible choice. Totally. How about if you just study history and do your best to tell a story? <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to get ahead by wearing the things that you find at Century 21 and Mango. Right. <laughs> have an amazing hairstyle. Oh, and think that's going to get you to network because it's not. Because there was something about when I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is Scott Lowry's dream woman. It's Nicole Kidman playing a gorgeous skeleton who's involved in broadcasting. Much like I love a seal award in the Jessica Savage story <gasps> yeah. about a train wreck of an anchor. Who doesn't love seal award? Anything. Read Ugh. me the phone book. I'm, I don't know much about Seal Award, guys. What? This list is growing longer <laughs> and longer. There's, but you a, there's a lot of blind the, spots. You do know the television show Sisters, also starring Swoozy Kurtz. <sighs> a little bit. Okay. A little bit. Okay. It, was not, well, it was not something I got that deep into. Should have. I was driving around <laughs> listening to Danny Elfman. <laughs> All right. So she dances for him. Mm-hmm. He gets convinced. Uh, she, uh, she aggressively sexually manipulates. I'm assuming he's 16. He's Oof. playing 16? 15, yeah, yeah, yeah. 16. 15, yeah. 16. He agrees. He says he'll do it. I bet he's 15. I Ugh. think so. The real kid was 15. Because and they talk about not having a license yet. Oh, he, Not I him, but Lydia. That. Lydia says, like, she let me drive her around even though I didn't have a license. Oh, and in the right. real story, even though it's not Wink based on that, yeah. she's only 23 when this happens. Yeah. No. Like at 23, like we were still drinking maybe. Boone's Farm. Yes. How are you making these kind of life choices at well, 23? I kept... I kept Maybe it's why. How oh, right. It's yeah. <laughs> a good point. I kept wondering how young she was supposed to be because I was then floored that uh, around the time that they're going to murder Matt Dillon, they had only been married for one yes. year. Yes. And I couldn't believe that. And also, side note, if your husband's already like pressuring you, if you're in your mid-20s and he's already pressuring you to have kids within one year of marriage, okay. Let's yeah. Cool it. Let's yeah. Cool it a little bit, fella. I mean, yeah. don't murder him. No. But... Marriage counseling. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So it's a their wedding anniversary party at his family's restaurant. Everybody's there. Holland Taylor, Dan Hedaya, yes, whoever yes. that this incredible is who actress. This I want to be at my dream party. birthday. No. Uh, the incredible actress who was playing. Her older sister, playing Suzanne's older sister. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was great. She had just the right look. Oh, yeah. She was great. 
And then she leaves her party to go do her weird weather report <laughs> on the local cable news. And it's uh-huh. during that time that Matt Dillon is home alone. Two boys bust in. Uh, Casey Affleck starts stealing his jewelry, which is low blow. Come on. Yeah. You could and, kill him first and then just yeah, take it. Yeah, be a gentleman. Kill yeah. him first and then take his wedding ring. Also, right before this crime takes place, when yeah. Matt Dillon is hanging out home alone, you see that they have in their dining room like a hutch with Waterford crystal in it and it's blue lit. And it that hutch oh, is whoa. like symbolic of everything I've never wanted in my life. <laughs> To have like fancy crystal in a blue lit hutch, just like while I'm eating, you know? Yeah. Oh, just these well, are the little things that stick out to me when I'm watching a movie. That's perfect. Now, again, it's because everyone was speaking Russian, so I'm focusing on right. things other right. than. Well, and uh, as a crossover point, you th- that their house and the way it's decorated, mm-hmm. Ileana Douglas has this great line about like she she thought she had taste well, and kind of trails off, and then it made me think. Ileana Douglas is also in Goodfellas, mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. that, when he, um, Ray Liotta and uh, his wife come into their new money, she decorates their house in this like Asian fusion style oh. with like black walls and red fans and stuff. Yeah. And I started relating these two homes like nobody's business because it was like, oh, like weird new money choices shown. Always on, the worst. Oh, and on film are always incredibly articulated by art directors. They, I loved it. Mm. Also, I love that when we actually see the outside of that house, you realize it's just like this like condo. Yeah, and she talks it's about a it duplex. as a condo, but yeah, it's yeah. like a townhouse, and you're like, oh right, like for all that she was trying to do, yeah, like she's just like she's in a suburban condo in New Hope, in yeah. Little, Little Hope. Hope. Whoops. Uh, uh. <laughs> so then we see this incredible like back and forth where she's giving the weather report. Uh, Dylan is being terrorized by these two teens. He's shot in the head and then it just does a tight close-up of her face and it's just like complete like exhilarated joy (laughs) which i was trying to figure out if that was a directorial choice or if that's just like the cameraman at this basement station who just zoomed in way too far (laughs) because he's like eating a half frozen burrito and i was like whoops pull back (laughs) well that assumes that there's a third person working at this station. <laughs> Smart. That's and right. And no one's working there. No, Maybe also this is that's an correct. evil version of Weird Al's UHF. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what's going on. This is just the evil version of so, so many other movies. But you're talking about in the uh in the actual condo, we see that close up on the TV. Yeah. Right? Yes, is that what you're talking about? They use yeah. television so incredibly well where they play with perspective and angles where yeah you're watching tv on screen of this movie and the sh- going back and forth between what the camera is seeing and what the viewer is seeing and that's what that's one of the things yeah. i really liked about like how it would get kind of surreal and subjective mm-hmm. is that like that clearly is not how the tv it's like that's not how the right. tv show works but right. we're suddenly seeing it through joaquin phoenix's eyes there, there were a bunch of shots like that like you're saying the shot where the lights turn off it's so cool yeah, yeah. there's just some really fun like directing well and when her husband's talking and and he's talking about a family and children we see it from her perspective and it slowly focuses in on his face yeah and in this way where she's completely checked out and like she's just focusing in on this is a problem Mm -hmm. this guy and what he's saying is 
an issue. It happens like not to jump ahead, but the when she's being hounded by reporters too. Mm-hmm. That they whenever they cut to the reporters, it's like the sound of an audience. I was going to say mm-hmm. that so perfect. So when the murder happens and police are starting to investigate, and we have seen these two guys who are playing the cops before at the family's restaurant, which I didn't know they were laying kind of that track for. Yeah. I had no clue. And then they go around and they start arresting everybody because um, they start putting the pieces together. And I love the shot where the cops just walk into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Incredible. To, to arrest Casey Affleck. It's so surreal and dreamy and weird and like... I loved that shot so so much. (laughs) And and we don't know that that's what they're doing yet. Like, we don't see that Casey Casey Affleck's out in the water. Right. Uh, I said Casey Assex. Oh, no. Freudian slip. Wink. Um, Wow. But we, I love that they don't, uh, show that so we just see them walking into the water until we see the reverse on them and you're just it's just such a great it's beautiful and then uh, a trial happens and uh, all the kids uh, Lydia um, agrees to wear a wire to try and get Suzanne to admit more details of the crime that's she's like pushing them all away right yeah suzanne exactly she wants to distance herself from the kids she's promised them all of this stuff and now is immediately retracting all of it wants nothing to do with any of them they're all freaking out then this trial happens and it's so incredible because this is what she thinks now is making it being on camera being filmed as potentially a suspect in this murder she's she sees as fame also so, such a great shot when she's hanging out in the living room right after the murder is happening everybody's family is there right. and they're like talking to the police and you see the first like reporter light come through the window yeah and she goes to it like a moth to a flame yeah. and it's she's like oh the shot. cameras are here it's right. so cool it's so sunset boulevard oh That's yeah exactly yeah, yeah, what yeah. i wrote down it is. i said her walk towards the cameras so norma desmond yes Ugh. Finally, a movie I've seen. Hey! (laughs) I loved it. And then, right, like you were saying, so then as she's exiting like the courtroom, when we see it from her perspective, she's getting a round of applause. And then when we pull outside of her perspective, they're asking her a lot of questions like, did you kill your husband? But that's not what she's hearing. And then maybe the most surreal thing out of the entire movie is at his funeral. Yeah! They get done... Mm -hmm. Give, the priest says a eulogy. She takes a boombox, puts it on his headstone, presses play, and then the song "All by Myself" starts playing. Oh, it's so good! And and they just slow pan over to the priest who has the <laughs> most incredible. I didn't know. Like in real time, as this was happening, I was like, "Is is this going to revert to a dream sequence? Like this is insane!" But. We are led to believe that this is what <laughs> really happened. It doesn't cut away. It really is like this is what she decided would make a great impact at her husband's funeral. And again, it's making it about her. It's so mm-hmm. perfect because it's so not. It's not like mourning him. Her. It's a song about her being alone. It's great. I laughed out loud. I <laughs> loved it. So this is just about to the end now. This whole journey has been incredible and we aren't we don't really know where it's going because now we sort of see what we feel is kind of the inevitable but we're like well what's going to happen to Suzanne and we realize that then her whole two camera um 
interview is actually just her talking to a camera alone in her townhouse. Yeah, so brilliant. So good. She wraps up her story, pops the tape out of the camera, puts it in a bag, and heads towards what she thinks, I guess, is a a meeting with like a a producer, like a film producer. (laughs) In essence, he's going to make her life story into a film, and she's so happy and ready for this next chapter of fame because she's acquitted there's no she's not linked criminally criminally to the death of her husband and so she's driving and (laughs) and then the man who is the producer just steps out from the side of the road in a slightly barren new hampshire (laughs) uh, this is a good lesson this is a a very good yes exactly and the, if a film producer asks you to meet him by the side of a bridge, <laughs> he's legit. He's legit. I mean, Do he it. has a business card. Exactly. <laughs> See you at noon. And she is playing so coy and coquettish. Like she's ready for this. She's ready to impress this guy and like make a deal. And she doesn't question it for a second. Even when he asks her to get out of the car and literally just says, I want to show you something. Because, again, so conniving, so manipulative, but so poorly informed. Totally. Yeah, this is a good, yeah, that is another good scene. That's why I was trying to figure out if she got smarter over the course of the movie, but no, she doesn't. She stays pretty naive and just, but driven. Like, I feel like in the book, we're missing the whole conversation she has with Walter while they're driving here, where he's like, Mom, this is a terrible idea. She's like, oh, Walter, you don't know. And he's like, no, really, let's pull over. Let's go to Del Taco. Remember the children's version something i'm currently writing trademark trademark i'm currently pushing it for children it's a great way to let children know about great life choices well and i have to say in my imdp imdb sorry searches i didn't realize this the guy who plays the producer Mm -hmm. uncredited cameo david David cronenberg so awesome that's Ugh. that's why she falls for it. Right. She's like, he said he was a film producer, and then David Cronenberg showed up. Hey, yeah, oh, I'll go behind you the ice house with film. you. Yeah. Also, so, quick uncredited. Did you know that Nicole Kidman is uncredited in Panic Room? She's the voice on the phone that calls the husband. She plays his girlfriend. No. And it's because she was going to be in the movie. And then she was like, my knee hurts from Moulin Rouge. I can't do this Panic Room movie. Huh. And they had already built all the sets for her, apparently. Whoa. So when Jodie Foster stepped in, she apparently kept getting hit in the eyeballs with lasers because she's way shorter than Nicole Kidman. No way. <laughs> And also, this is fascinating. almost Kristen Stewart in that movie, Hayden Panettiere. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just letting you know. Let's move wow. on. Wow. Let's well, move on. Jodie Foster was also considered for the lead in this film. Yeah. And that's insane because Kristen Stewart looks like mini Jodie Foster in Panic Room. And she was mini at first, but then apparently if you watch over the... She had a growth spurt while they oh, were no shooting way. it. So she's taller than Jodie at the end of the movie, <laughs> but smaller at the beginning. Amazing. Incredible. Anyway. So David Cronenberg leads Suzanne Stone down onto like an icy pathway, like, and they go around a bridge, again, where business and film mm-hmm. production meetings happen. Uh-huh. And then we... We we are just left with a blank kind of open space. We don't see anything, but we hear a gunshot, and she's donezoed. 
She's yeah. done. Because what I thought were unfair, unfortunate Italian stereotyping happening in the beginning of the film, it turns out, <laughs> no, actually, Matt Dillon's extended family does have mob ties, mm-hmm. and the dad put a hit out on Suzanne Stone, Dan Hedaya, put a hit on Suzanne Stone because he realized she was the one responsible for yeah. his son's death. And then maybe the greatest final credit. Oh, it's so dying. Donovan, Season of the Rich, which, oh, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Edit point. Edit point. New end point. Uh, Donovan, Season of the Witch, plays while Ileana Douglas, in like an old-timey skating outfit, skates across the frozen lake where it is revealed that Suzanne Stone had been drowned and frozen over. And as that camera pans up and that snow sort of like moves gently that's over so her and it mm. reveals her face. Amazing. Oh, that's a, oh, right. When we see her, yeah, yeah, under yeah. the ice, it's, that's a great shot. Such, yeah. Such I watched the entire shots. end credits because I was like, I don't want this to end. No. If this was its own movie, I, wa- I would watch it. I watched it twice to see where a professional ice skater, skater comes out yeah. instead of Ileana Douglas. Because yep. I was and like, hang on, there's no way Ileana Douglas is doing all of this. It's about... She's not that... I mean, she's great, but she's not that good. <laughs> it's about a third of the way through when they get a lot yeah. higher up, and then... She goes off yeah. camera for a second, and yep. somebody else swoops in. Oh, it's so good. She's Movie so busy magic. giving you an Oscar award-winning performance. She doesn't have time to skate. Well, it was That's also... Right. It was 95. She had to leave and go shoot something else. She was yeah. in everything then. Gotta go. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Because she had taken a meeting with a film producer on a New Hampshire road. And <laughs> exactly. Led this to something turned greater. out. Yeah, sure. Well, sometimes it works out, you guys. Yeah. Well, I have to say that this movie in general, it's a little bit different from some of the other films that we have been talking about because A, it's very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> B, the motivations of the lead uh, female protagonist are slightly different because this isn't about revenge or an emotional sort of comeuppance. This is just blind motivation to get ahead. A woman Desperate not to be ignored. Yes. Yeah. But in such a terrible way. And not held back by anything. I mean, just absolutely motivated to only do what was in her own self-interest, but still dumb about it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's weird. The movie doesn't, uh, I guess it's at a distance in a way, like it doesn't have a ton of sympathy for her in some weird way. But at the same time, like we see that she... Yeah, she is also kind of the victim of her own idiocy mm-hmm. or something yeah. too. Like it's it's weird. I loved it. Yeah, she so was, good. She was not ignored, and I just have to. I'm putting it out there, guys, because the listeners can't see. I was not ignored. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I was not ignored. That's right. I was I was also not ignored, and I wouldn't ignore this film. <laughs> see, it, don't be up. an idiot like me at fourteen. <laughs> Well, Gabe, I'm glad that this movie was brought into your life. I'm oh, glad it was brought into mine. Finally. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for joining us thank you. here today. Scott. Thank you for having me. We won't ignore each other. I'm weeping right now, and it's not because of bad plastic surgery. It's because I love you too so much. Oh, my gosh. Aww, oh, my gosh. What's your weight check-in? It's a, it's a hot 97. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Much more than that.